In this episode of Two Black Nerds, we discuss how we've been doing during the pandemic, how being in different states affected our experience of the virus. We also talk about how we cope and the different hobbies that we are trying during this time. Hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to another episode of Two Black Nerds. My name is Ihaya Kachuku, and on the other side of the mic we got... My name is Romeo Kuihangana. I hope you are all doing well. Ihai, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. You know, same old, same old. Still chilling in the crib. Um, you know, just been hanging in there. Um, how have you been, Romeo? I have been good. Um... I've been working from home for the first time since March, and I have not stepped back in the office since then. So a lot of adjusting to, but I think I can say that I got the hang of it now. That's uh, yo, that's what's up, man. Uh, welcome to uh, work from home life, but it's kind of different. Like you know, working from home during you know normal times, and working from home in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, how have you been like? adjusting like what was rough for you to adjust to working from home um rather than being in an office uh so i think for me was kind of to make the distinction between work and like work life and home life uh early Mm -hmm. on i really recognized that the boundaries i needed to establish clear boundaries about uh when do i work like like work hours versus non-work hours for sure. And uh, for the first week, that was a little bit rough. But then after that, I just decided that, you know what, I'm just going to change clothes. And when I'm in work clothes, I'm only working. And once I'm off of work clothes, I'm actually at home. And that has helped me keep clear boundaries between uh, what work time is and what home time is, because it's not happening in the same space. You know, that is my cl- like biggest suggestion to people like if they're working from home. Um, people always think I'm weird because like whenever I, I've been working from home for like almost two years now, like full time, mm-hmm. but even whenever I do work from home, like at my last job or like other gigs, I still like wake up, I still take a shower, you know, and I don't get in my PJs, you know, I actually put on like jeans and like a t-shirt, like I will be leaving my house to go somewhere like, or into an office, you know, cause it just signals to your brain, like, Hey, it's working time. You know, and I tried working from home in like basketball shorts and like, or sweatpants once. And I don't know. I just felt like I wasn't at my operating at 100%. I felt like I was doing lazy work. I wasn't as focused as I usually was. So that's like nice that you find that little life hack of like, or brain hack to get your brain in like work mode and geared up for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, just doing that um, has just really helped me kind of with the transition uh, overall. So it's very good. Have you been going outside, like maybe taking runs or taking walks or something? I actually, the pandemic has made me more of a outside walker. Like I enjoy going out more and uh, oh, really? like being in the nature, like walk, like taking walks and chat, thinking about going to the park as compared to when I used to be able to just roam around, right? Because the whole, at that time, my life was very much, hey, wake up go to the gym, come back. And by the time I come back, it's already dark at night. And now I can't do anything. And the only place that I can go outside is to go walk around like the track 
at the high school in the neighborhood or just walk around the neighborhood and look at the flowers mm-hmm. and stuff. And staying yeah. indoors is doesn't do good for me. So uh, I've done that a little bit more often. I think every like three times a week, I'm probably putting in at least three miles of walk or running mm-hmm. just because that's the way I can keep my my sanity. Yo, I feel you on that, homie. Uh, I actually have been kind of like on the opposite end. Like, I don't know. I've been now I've been actually going outside more and making a point to like walk around and take walks around the neighborhood and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but before, you know, like in New York City, who whenever this pandemic first started, like New York City got hit really hard. So I was just like paranoid about going outside. Just wanted to stay at home by myself um, and just keep to myself and like mind my business as things were like the cases just kept on like skyrocketing. But now we've got it under control. The city's slowly opening back up. Um, and yeah, I've been taking more walks now and like seeing some friends and like we normally we don't hang out inside or anything. We just take walks around outside and just talk like mm-hmm. both wearing masks and stuff like that. But it's been like nice to adjust um, or like it's been nice, like at least having that like things calm down at least a bit in um, New York City so that like we can do that now. And if I were you, if I were in the same situation you were in, I would have done the same thing, right? Because I remember the numbers for New York and uh, Ohio have, were very different at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Like New York seemed or felt like felt like very much the epicenter. And based on how crowded the place gets, I don't think I would have had the courage either to just step outside and walk round and about um, the city. And also to consider like one of the things that listeners may not know is that you have asthma. So all of a sudden yeah. that just makes you more at risk if you were to step outside. Yep. Um, and for me, I felt a little bit safer because very early on, I think Ohio was one of the first states to tell all their students to go back home instead of like keeping yeah. them here. Um, very smart. Yep. It's, it's funny how like back in March, Ohio seemed to be like the smartest state in the country and then come july it's just like a complete 180 which is which is wild but i I, in the early times the fact that they acted early allowed me and i think other people in ohio to feel safe to at least step outside and go about being in nature and whatnot but um so i think another thing is this so like because like things have gotten worse now, have um, hasn't it in Ohio? Like y'all have numbers skyrocketing, or am I misremembering? No, you're you're correct. So the numbers have gotten significantly worse than they were before, right? So back in March yeah. and April, uh, it was progressing uh, as more tests were being actually uh, performed. But the fact yeah. that we had closed early uh, made that the the rate of increase was lower than most other states. Um, and I guess part because of, because the rate had kept lower compared to other States, uh, some of the, I guess like the population had the hubris to say like, you know what, we got this under control anyway. And I think we were among the first States to, to open back up again. And that has Mm. proved to be very, uh, a positive, uh, outcome, both, um, monetarily for the businesses that, uh, you said it's been a positive or not a positive? Not a positive, right? It's not. We're negative, yeah, negative outcome. Yeah, so okay. it's, it's been a negative outcome. So it has, because a lot of people had a lot of hope in the, hey, if we reopen, things are going to get better. And it's really not looking that way right now. For sure. Um, 
Well, so. it's like people are so par- like not paranoid rather because like I feel like calling it paranoid is like kind of doing this disease as a service because it's something unprecedented. But people mm-hmm. are very cautious, right? Like even if like New York City's opening back up, but I'm not gonna go out every single like weekend or try to like be out. I'm not be out here in these streets like partying like and stuff like that. Like I'm still playing it safe. But I think also, um, I'm curious in Ohio, did they have like a mask mandate at any point during this whole like? over the last four months. I know in New York City, we still have ma- mask mandated and stuff like that. But I know some states have politicized not wearing a mask. So I, it's very recently. It's only, so this coming Monday, right? Uh, like as of recording. So like the mask mandate, so this, the city of Dayton has instituted a mask mandate about a week ago, but before that there were none. Uh, and now as things are getting worse, the state is so because of how politicized it's become, it's difficult for local governments to institute a mask mandate because there might be some uprising from people. However, we have businesses that are saying like, hey, you cannot come in here unless you have a mask. And Walmart also just instituted a mask mandate and so you cannot come yeah. into the shop unless you have a mask. And so even though uh, some of... Uh, are some of the local leadership has been tied up by what could be a negative response from their constituents. Uh, businesses are seeing that it's in their best benefits to actually do the responsible thing and say, hey, you cannot come in unless you have a mask. So that's been yeah. hopeful. That's good. It just is flabbergasting to me, like just mind boggling, doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, you know, Growing up in like America and stuff like that, I know we value our individuality mm-hmm. and we value our like, you know, individual liberties and like, you know, freedoms or whatever. But I never thought that like people would try to make a big issue out of wearing a mask to protect. It's not even really to protect yourself, but it's to, well, and I think this is where the problem comes in. It's like, it's more to protect other people. And I know it's like a whole bunch of things, just like lots of misinformation and everything. And like, we're in an unprecedented unprecedented situation but if everybody just followed the rules and like you know or like you know wore a mask we could get this under control you know and like you know wore a mask and stayed six feet apart just followed like instructions like i know like you know you can't be right about everything because this disease is unknown and we're learning more about it every single month but you think that you'd err on the side of caution and take like you know precautions wear a mask so you don't catch it wear a mask so somebody else doesn't catch it like it just blows my mind that we've even gotten to this point because it looked like America was on the road for, to recovery for a while, but then we've seen people protesting against wearing a mask, yeah. and now we're seeing numbers skyrocket. Like you see, the, it's just wild to me seeing that graph go down and then it just spikes right back up. I'm just like, geez, this Christ, dude! Like this blows my mind. And I've, so, and I agree with you. It's for me. So I've been in the U.S. since 2006. It's also unprecedented for me because I've never been, I never lived in an area that had a pandemic, but I think it's also, this is the first time that the, you, at least one plausible uh, explanation that I give to myself, right? This is just me, is that in the past, U.S. has never, as a country, never come together for something aside than a war, Right. Yeah, I was about to say, other than wars, you know, like, they, war war, that, they, right? they don't come together. But for me, in the areas that I've lived at, for example, I lived in West Africa, Niger for nine years. One of the biggest diseases that affects people is malaria. 
right? And because yeah, of I, malaria, people have to do collective things like, hey, if you have water puddles, like you try to either clear them out so that mosquitoes don't, that doesn't become like a hotbed for mosquitoes, or you just pour some um, gasoline in there so that when the mosquitoes are on there, they die. So like there was a sense mm-hmm. that there are diseases and illnesses that require communal action, right? For sure. Um, and I think this might be the first time in recent U.S. history that that happens. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, you know, visiting countries like, uh, like you know, I've been to Japan twice mm-hmm. and like been fortunate to like, you know, meet some people that live there and learn more about the culture and stuff. And like, you know, in various Asian countries, like people like masks are kind of like normal over there. Right. So like everybody wearing a mask in like those countries was no surprise like in a way, because I right, culturally imbued. And like, I thought whenever I saw somebody wearing a mask, you know, there, I thought like maybe they're being a germaphobe and not trying to get sick. Mm-hmm. But whenever I made a friend, like whenever I befriended somebody from there and I were just talking about it and he's like, um, he told me if I remember correctly, it's like, oh, it's not necessarily that they're not trying to get sick or that they're like a uh, germaphobe, but it may be if they have like, you know, a snit, like the sniffles or like, you know, or maybe are feeling like under the weather feeling maybe sick or allergies or something so they don't spread their germs to other people so it's not even in the middle of like a pandemic that you're experiencing this like type of like um what's the word i'm looking for um thoughtfulness yeah or yeah. like you know consideration for others um kind of seems like it's interesting to see that type of like uh so another way to, to say what yeah. you're saying is that in their culture it's been normalized to protect others from your own illnesses right like it's, it's normalized to wear a mask so that you don't get other people sick yeah yeah i mean just from observations yeah it seems to be that way you know um and yeah it's just interesting in america like oh people are fine wearing shirts and shoes indoors but they don't want to wear like a mask like in these businesses it blows my mind but yeah man new york city we're entering phase four i don't even remember what phase four is but we've been like doing these phases of reopening mm-hmm. i think phase four may be like indoor seating when indoor seating like opens back up in restaurants oh, but wow. you can have like capacity limits mm-hmm. um because you have to have enough to like um have proper social distancing between the people inside your business you know and you can't excuse me you can't have full capacity right yeah, but it's just interesting because, like, even if we reopen with these pre like these precautions, right? We have outdoor seating opening right now, and that's been cool. But even then, people still aren't going to these businesses like they are like pre pandemic levels, right? And even if we do open things back up, if you can't open things back up to full capacity, like nobody's business model has thought about like you know nobody could have been prepared for this. Like, oh, what if our business only had like, you know, 25% or whatever, or like 10% of Mm -hmm. like customers, you know, or like, and we couldn't have 100% of like our usual customer, like flow um, for an extended period of time. So it's like the hospitality industry, I feel like it's getting really screwed over by this, like by no fault of their own. And it's just like sad to see. from, From my experience too, um, one one way that I would I, I interpret what you're saying is that the assumptions under which our economy operate are very they're shown to be very fragile and for the longest yeah. time uh, my girlfriend pointed my fiance pointed this out to me which when I was when I used to work as a uh, in the aviation industry I me and my friends had the hubris and we used to say like and eh, people are always gonna fly like we're always gonna have jobs anyways and yo. 
I mean, yeah, that you raise a very good point. Yeah. We, we, we had that hubris and we would boast it and we would just complain about like how they were like, uh, like how like we would complain about our work, our work schedule and stuff like that. And so I ended up switching industries, but now I look mm-hmm. back and see what's happening in the aviation industry. Yeah. And like, oh my God, I thought people were always going to be able to fly. And because of that, I thought that I was going to have a work security, like that I, my income was practically guaranteed because of right. the skill set and the industry that I chose. And after the pandemic happened, I just said, like, you know what? I am not going to, that assumption is just now gone completely. Yeah. It's like, it's interesting to see because like, never have I, like, never could we have imagined, like, I thought the biggest thing that would be the scandal for, uh, the airline industry or whatever would be like that Boeing Max or what what model was it? Number uh, was it seven hundred? Yeah, seven three seven Max. Seven three seven Max. Yeah, that jo- um that joint. I thought that would be like the thing that like maybe would like affect the airline industry or like you know that was a scandal in and of itself. You know, and mm-hmm. I thought like oh man, people aren't going to be flying on that plane. I sucks for whoever bought like a lot of those. You know, because they're going to have to find ways yeah. to replace it. But even then, that didn't really make a dent on the travel industry like that. But this shut down like you know flights you know and like we can't even go i think some countries are banning americans from entering rightfully so Mm -hmm. because we don't have our we don't have our house in order so why should we go and ruin up other people's houses right so yeah nah but like yo talk about serendipitous timing to make a career and industry change dog oh absolutely i i i thank universe god and everyone who was praying for me at that time because that that i would i would have been stressed to the max had I still been working uh, in the aviation industry right now, yeah. like I, I still I still talk to some people, um, like the company I used to work at. They now I've gone through two rounds of firing. They've done a ten percent reduction at the end of last yeah. year. They are doing a fifteen to twenty five percent reduction by the end of summer, right? And that's not and there's no end to it. Like no one knows when they're gonna stop because if nothing picks back up, they have to reduce personnel in order to keep costs down and i'm just Mm -hmm. really i feel for my friends and i just pray that they find like another place to work at but yeah man i no longer take where i work and my job for granted because of that yeah i'm also feel really blessed to be working in industry like you know some people have had to deal with like layoffs or pay cuts or like being Mm -hmm. furloughed or whatever during these hard times, you know, I'm very grateful that like I have job security and that I haven't had to deal with any of those things. But I just think it's also like, oh man, have you seen any of like your favorite local businesses close down in Dayton at all because of the COVID? So luckily, not directly. Um, so some of the, some of my favorite local businesses have they've kind of pivoted. There's a local coffee shop. Um, they've pivoted to be more like a bakery, uh, a bakery plus mm-hmm. coffee. And so they're, they're keeping people afloat like that. Uh, some of the breweries have started either allowing you to do carry out or selling growlers. Um, hey. So that that's kept them open. Uh, one Word. area that I was pretty surprised by, there was a, a Lee's uh, famous chicken recipe that opened right before the pandemic on the street mm-hmm. where the University of Students uh, typically go at. And so right when they opened was, I think, two days before they told all the students to go back home. And so all their sorts of business were gone. And last week they said, 
yeah, they're closing this location because there's no business. And that kind of like, it kind of ached at me because I'm like, that was the closest local uh, fried chicken joint that was near me. And I'm like, there's probably a lot of different businesses that are not being able to open because of that right now. Yeah, I think um, in New York City, uh, things had to evolve a little bit. I think some foods, well, first, whenever we first closed down, um, restaurants had to switch to takeout only, like delivery Mm -hmm. only, no dine-in. Um, you still can't, like, now we have outdoor seating, um, as part of like phase three or maybe that was phase two. I can't remember, but we also have seen like some changes in local, like, um, alcohol laws. So before you weren't allowed to drink like in pub, like in public or whatever, like you can in, um, like New Orleans or whatever, but Mm -hmm. in New York city, you can now have to go cocktails. You can get like a cocktail from a bar and just walk around outside with it or like drink a beer as well. Yeah, it's dope. People are trying to like, honestly, it hasn't been a shit show. And I think people, they should keep that. I, w- I hope they keep it after things like, like we open like up completely and after things calm down, whenever that is, I don't think it's going to be in 2020, but you know, whenever we're allowed back outside, like normal, I think they should keep it. Um, That's an interesting if- change. I yeah. know that in Europe, uh, most countries allow for drinking while walking, but they also don't drink too much. Yeah. Same um, in Japan. Well, also, people start drinking at an earlier age, right? Like 18 mm-hmm. or whatever. And if that's the legal age for drinking, that means you're probably starting to drink by age of like 16 or younger. But like by the time you're 18, you've probably gotten like your like stuff together, you know? Fair, fair. Yeah, that's an interesting development uh, in the laws. And I haven't been as uh, I didn't follow as much of how the regulation has changed uh, locally for for the restaurant business. But that's a very positive change, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite spots are closing down or losing business are like um, nightclubs, you know, not even mm-hmm. like not even nightclubs, they're like bars, but their main source of income comes from like people don't go to the bars just to like hang out. They go there to like dance and party and turn up, you know, and yeah. like those local businesses that rely on events for people to come through and pay and that keep the business afloat. You know, you don't have your summer revenue and you don't have your summer crowd that usually goes there. And these places are normally packed to the brim on a Saturday, Friday night, you know. Like, you get your $5, $10 cover charge, you know, do that, do the math, like, max capacity of, like, you know, 300 or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, be cashing out, plus drink sales on top of that. It's good times, but we don't have that. So we're seeing a lot of stuff, like, a lot of um, businesses closing down because of that. And, like, the bigger ones that can stay open, like, elsewhere or whatever, like, a lot 45, they think they're, like, not necessarily, like, they're local spots, but at the same time, I think they have like air quotes investors or whatever that can like float them money to help keep them float. Places are like locally owned or whatever, or in the business, like you know, local staples in the community are kind of not faring as well, um, which is sad to see. And yeah, but it's gonna be interesting to see what New York City transforms into. You know, New York City is a very old city, right? It's going mm-hmm. to like I'm sure we're gonna be fine in the long run. It's just interesting having been here for like over four years seeing what it'll evolve to next yeah i would definitely say like the the economic um ramification of this are is just something that is it's interesting to to read about and um just learn what all the assumed assumptions were and how all these businesses used to function even though they're kind of Mm -hmm. crumbling um yeah is it shown how many aspects of our of like american society like 
are very fragile and it's not made for a large amount of people. It's not made for like, you know, every single um, like American, right? Like, you know, we have an economic crisis right now because of lack of, you know, like um, lack of like, you know, universal basic income, lack of like, you know, social safety nets. Our healthcare infrastructure is crumbling because we can't even hold like we can't hold like this many people getting sick at one time and going to the hospital. And even then a lot of these people going there can't, some may not even be able to afford to pay. Some people may be even scared to go because they don't have health insurance, you know? So yeah. all these things it's showing how much in our society is kind of messed up in my opinion. And like, that's weak and needs improvement. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I really hope that the, the, the outcomes, like we haven't seen the end of the ramification of this, right? Like, there's so many things that huh. yeah we're not even the second wave um and i think i hope that things are changed for the better um that's really where a lot of my my hope goes but i don't know i don't know and it's also like a lot to to take in because even before this i really had no real like i didn't have an intimate understanding of how uh the restaurant industry worked or how the rental market worked or stuff like that aside from just yeah, being yeah, yeah. like a consumer of that and that's shed a little bit of light on that but Word. hi how for you uh how have you been coping since you're in like a hot area right and yeah you have asthma and you like new york was hit one of the hardest what have you been doing to to cope um everything that's happening let me think what have i been doing to cope um it's been a rough few months man between just like this pandemic and then you have the whole like protests going on with george floyd like that was also adding to his stress and just like mm -hmm. mental turmoil over the last few months but um i picked up a new hobby like you know i've been doing my usual like work is a good distraction because it takes a lot of brain power and focus yeah um so i've just been burying myself in work and like trying to do my best there um in order to um just like uh distract myself from what's going on um mm -hmm. and keep my mind busy but i also started learning how to produce music and like i oh, bought nice. like a mini controller yeah ableton was having like a 30 percent or something sale maybe it was 50 i don't know it was a big it was a fat discount so i'm like you oh, know what nice yeah so i'm like you know what i've been wanting to do music production for a long time let me go ahead and buy this midi controller and buy ableton and like, rather than just like, you know, talking out of my like, like talking out of my ass and like just putting it off. I'm like, I have a lot of free time. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So mm -hmm. let me uh, just get this. Uh, let me get this uh, music journey started. And I just I've been heard, practicing. I've, yeah. I've heard some of your samples are really good. Um, Thanks, man. And I think you have yeah. uh, like you already you already put out like a, a, an EP. What is EP? Yeah, uh, I think it stands for like uh I don't know. Am I probably wrong with this? Extended play or something? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. yeah. So only like EPs are like six songs usually or shorter. They're not mm -hmm. like anything long. Then LP, I forgot what that stands for. Long like, play. Something like that. Something like, like full play. length. LPs are like full length albums. I, I know. Yeah. That's all I know. EP is short, like a mixtape. Kind of. LPs are like, you know, full length albums, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I put out an EP. Um, it's not amazing, but it's like what I've just learned over the last few months and i'm hopefully going to release another one sometime in the future um yeah i've just been trying to make a song or two a week i try to like whip up a few, a few quick tracks like every week or so 
Um, I realized I want to learn more about music. So I'm like probably going to buy, um, well, I got a mini piano. I'm probably going to get a larger one. And um, mm-hmm. after things open back up, I may get a piano tutor um, to actually learn how to play piano. Um, and yeah, I've just been doing a lot of music, making um, some programming and a lot of video games, lots of Call of Duty, Warzone. Yeah. yeah, a lot of that. What about you? Any new hobbies or have you just been hanging out with your fiance a lot and watching stuff on Netflix? Uh, really, I think the first the first few weeks ha- were really just watching a lot of new stuff on Netflix. Um, actually, mm-hmm. old stuff. We got into a lot of the cooking shows. I introduced her to uh, Chef's Table, uh, some of my favorite episodes on there. Nice. Uh, and also some of... Um, uh, what's it called David? Some of David Chang's shows are actually really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've watched we've watched a lot of those. And personally, I've just been in the kitchen a little bit more than usual. I went hey, through okay. everybody's bread phase. I also went into into that one a little bit. Uh, only banana bread for me though. Uh, banana yeah, bread choice. was the first one, and then I I now know how to make naan from scratch. Yo, I love um, me some naan. Nice. And then soon, I think uh, uh, my fiance is going to teach me how to make uh, Irish soda bread uh, as well. So that's going to that's going to be an exciting uh, event. And I'm back. I also made a, a lot of crepes recently. Got back into that. So really, the kitchen has been where I spend uh, a lot of my time aside from from work. And just just like you, I, I did the same thing. I threw myself into work. Uh, I watched way too many c++ conference videos to get the hang of what i was doing and how that works uh but those two items have been helpful um and journaling as well right kind of get the emotions out Uh, right another thing though that for me that has brought me a little bit of peace was uh two aspects right the first one i i kind of reduced my exposure to the national numbers and just focus on the county numbers Right. Hey, ignorance is bliss. Say that again. I said ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yes, to a certain degree. I'm not being an asshole by saying that. I'm just saying like it's disheartening to see the national numbers. So focusing on like what is in your locus of control and affects you more closely is probably more important. Yeah, definitely the national numbers are disheartening because you just see how how much of a disconnect there is and how difficult it is to get fifty states to act as a coordinated whole. Right. Yeah. But focusing on the local numbers kind of always give me like a better sense of like, okay, how many people, because I am in Montgomery County, these are the people that I would be interacting with. Uh, yeah. When I go to the grocery store, that this is like what my risk level assessment should take into account. Right. So there's that. Yeah. And I think about once a month, I check out the research, the latest preprint research that's coming out. Uh, I remember at some point people were talking about hydrochloroquine and I read the book about that. Um, and for me, my main interest is that I was, when I was younger, I got malaria. And one of the things that uh, hydrochloroquine is used for is treating malaria. And so I just wanted to see like, how come a malaria drug actually works against this? Um, I love <laughs> Narrator's voice. It doesn't. <laughs> well, so the research is complex, right? So this entire disease is complex, dog. Right. So like the main thing that came out of that was that the research was inconclusive for anyone who was in the later stage of the of uh, survive of uh, contacting the virus. Right. So your later stage. Yeah. 
probably doesn't help as much. But in the earlier stage, a lot of the company, a lot of the countries uh, who are less, less, not less developed, like the classification less developed is a little bit troublesome for me, but uh, who are supposedly less developed than the U.S. had seen good results for treating patients early. And that's the only thing they have. So they kind of rely on that as well. So it was enlightening to see how people do research on using on drugs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I don't put a lot of, not that I don't put a lot of faith in that. I just read it to say, okay, people are working on it and that's a positive, yeah. right? I just, I just trying to find ways to like, doing this. yeah, I just trying to find ways to like feed the positivity. A I feel bit. you on that. Yeah. It's been, there hasn't been a lot of positive news, like at a national scale. Like mm-hmm. I know, like, you know, like we touched on earlier, the George Floyd po- protest against police brutality is something that's been going. Well, I think those like while the whole thing with like George Floyd was is also like was very upsetting and it still is. Mm-hmm. What has been a beacon of light is seeing how it set off like a brand new, like not brand new, rather it's set off a movement like that. We're not just seeing like, you know, black people or other people of color like protesting against this against this is people that also may not have spoken out against it before yeah or like not necessarily been as vocal about it now are like whoa like this is like everybody's like these cops have control you know and yeah. oh absolutely yeah so it's been nice it's been dope to see that sh- like that uh magnitude of like you know support and protesters and like seeing like people from all backgrounds protesting against police brutality all over yeah and I think observe, observing that from afar also gave me a lot of hope because I would see on Instagram people that I, from co- from my college days, that uh, I never knew where they leaned. And so just seeing yeah. more of them come out and actually support was a very positive. was very positive. It was refreshing, for sure. Yeah. And then for the very uh, few moo-moos or imbeciles that would like, come out on the opposite side or trying to justify it it made me also be like okay i'm going i'm not even going to bother educating this person i'm just going to cut them out from my life so fair enough also, yeah silver lining so since so since it looks like we're not going to be going back outside anytime soon because people can't get their act in order or their stuff together um what are you going to be doing are you going to just keep on doing more are you still going to be making this bread or what <laughs> yeah, both types of bread uh bunny yeah, and heck. food so i i think for me um, I'm just going to try to get into a little bit or more workout and get back into eat, reading, uh, actual books. Um, yeah. so, uh, I've gotten a few copies of, uh, of books by Joseph Campbell. He's a historian is probably not the best way to characterize it. He's a comparative religion writer is the best way that I can mm-hmm. put it. Um, but getting back to reading like physical books, right. It's like, is what I'm going to get into and keep on analog. really. Yeah. And those are, those are really the two items that I'm going to push forward for at least for the foreseeable future. How about you? I vibe with it. Uh, yeah, still going probably, I'm trying to do more reading. I'm trying to disconnect from the internet more. Um, you know, it's hard for me. I'm kind of addicted, but Hey, I'm working on it. Um, honestly. And yeah, like, I think I'm going to keep on making music. I'm looking forward to like getting back into this podcast and recording more as well. Um, and I think I'm going to start working on my side projects a little bit more seriously as well. Um, I've been putting Seeker on the back burner for a long time, but I think mm-hmm. now it's a good time for me to like dial in and focus and go to like town on it and like finally get the V2 re- like rebrand and relaunch going 
and also just working on some more stuff. And I'm so glad that I've had a therapist throughout this entire like pandemic and even before the pandemic, because Mm -hmm. it's been like also something that's kept me like grounded and like sane. So still going to keep on going to therapy as well and using that to my uh, benefit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't scheduled a a session with my therapist in a while, but um, I have a to-do list right in front of me that says that I need to for this coming week. So um, hey, homie, she, get was, on that. she was she was critical in helping me uh, the first half of the year and um, got to get back on that, too. But hey, hi, um, this has been really good catching up with you. Um, yeah, man, it's been great. And, uh, I look forward to recording more episodes with you, man. This is uh, probably going to keep us more in contact than we than we used to for do sure. in the non-isolation times. Yeah, we're not going nowhere. We're both at home. Just got to find time and record. But yeah. So yeah, y'all, thank y'all for listening in. This has been another episode of Two Black Nerds. Where can they find you at, Romeo? Uh, for me, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Romeo. That's K-W-I-R-O-M-E-O. Uh, and because I don't have a blue check, you can still uh, tweet at me. Hey, they actually, uh, they disabled that. They can, the blue checks can tweet again. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so if you want to find me, you can find me at Kuchu at K-W-U-C-H-U on Twitter. And if you want to follow our joint Twitter account, you can follow at Two Black Nerds on Twitter or Instagram. Appreciate y'all listening in. We'll catch you next time. Wear a mask, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you in a little bit. Peace. Peace.